chapter forty nine of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter forty nine one who has interred himself such an effect was now produced all over all around us that every man pressed for his neighbour's opinion rather than offer his own almost this is a state of the public mind that cannot be long put up with for half the pleasure goes out of life when a man is stinted of argument but inasmuch as i was always ready for all comers and would not for a moment hearken any other opinion the great bulk of conclusion ran into the grooves i laid for it this was neither more nor less than that satan's own chaplain chowne was at the helm of the whole of it some people said that i formed this opinion through an unchristian recollection of his former rudeness to me i mean when he blew me out of bed and tried to drown and to burn me alive however the great majority saw that my nature was not of this sort but rather inclined to reflect with pleasure upon any spirited conduct and to tell the whole truth upon looking back at the parson i admired him more than any other man i had seen except captain nelson for it is so rare to meet with a man who knows his own mind thoroughly that if you find him add thereto a knowledge of his neighbours minds certain you may be that here is one entitled to lead the nation he may be almost too great to care about putting this power in exercise unless any grand occasion betides him just as parson chowne refused to go into the bishopric and just as nelson was vexed at being the supervisor of smugglers nevertheless these men are ready when god sees fit to appoint them however to come back to these dolls and the opening now before them the public although at first disappointed not to have found two real babies strangled in an experienced manner perceived the expediency of rejoicing in the absence of any such horror only there were many people of the lower order so disgusted at this cheat and strain upon their glands of weeping with no blood to show for it that they declared their firm resolve to have nothing more to do with it for my part being some little aware of the way in which laurels are stolen i kept my spade well up and the two dolls in my arms with their heads down and even their feet grudged to the view of the gossipers in the midst of an excited mob a calm sight of the right thing to do may lead them almost anywhere and i saw that the only proper thing was to leave everything to me they with that sense of fairness which exists in slow minds more than in quick ones fell behind me because all knew that the entire discovery was my own 
of course without snap i could never have done it nor yet without further accidents still there it was and no man even of our diffident welsh nation can in any fairness be expected to obscure himself my tendency throughout this story always has been to do this but i really did begin to feel the need of abjuring this national fault since men of a mixture of any sort without even celtic blood in them over and over again had tried to make a mere nobody of me hence it was and not from any desire to advance myself that among the inferior race i stood upon my rights and stuck to them if ever there had been any drop of desire for money left in me after perpetual purification from seven years of getting only coppers and finding most of them forgeries this scene was alone sufficient to make me glad of an empty purse for any man who has any money must long to put more to it as the children pile their farthings hoping how high they may go i like to see both old and young full of schemes so noble only they must let an ancient fellow like me keep out of them these superior senses glowed within me and would not be set aside by any other rogue preceding me when i knocked at sir philip's door and claimed first right of audience the other fellows were all put away by their serving-men as behooved them then i carried in everything just as it was and presented the whole with the utmost deference sir philip had inkling of something important and was beginning to shake now and then nevertheless he acknowledged my entrance with his wonted dignity signed to the footman to refresh the sperm oil lamps in the long dark room and then to me to come and spread my burden on a table nothing could more clearly show the self-command which a good man wins by wrestling long with adversity for rumour had reached him that i had dug up his son's cocked hat and his two grandchildren all as fresh as the day itself it is not for me who have never been so deeply stirred in the grain of the heart by heaven's visitations to go through and make a show of this most noble and ancient gentleman's doings or feelings or language even a man of low station like myself would be loath to have this done to him at many and many a time of his life so if i could even do it in the case of a man so far above me and so far more deeply harrowed instead of being proud of describing i must only despise myself enough to say that this snowy-haired most simple yet stately gentleman mixed the usual mixture of the things that weep and the things that laugh which are the joint stock of our nature from the old adam and the young one what i mean if i keep to facts is that he knelt on a strip of canvas laid at the end of the table and after some trouble to place his elbows because of the grit of the sandiness bowed his white forehead and silvery hair and the calm majesty of his face over those two dollies and over his son's very best cocked hat and in silence wept thanksgiving to the great father of everything 
david Ellen," he said as he rose and approached me as if i were quite his equal allow me to take your hand my friend there are few men to whom i would sooner owe this great debt of gratitude than yourself because you have sailed with my son so long to you and your patience and sagacity under the mercy of god i owe the proof or at any rate these tokens of my poor son's innocence i i thank the lord and you here the general for the moment could not say another word it is true your worship i answered that none of your own people showed the sense or the courage to go on but it is a welshman's honest pride to surpass all other races in valour and ability i am no more than the very humblest of my ancestors may have been then all of them must have been very fine fellows sir philip replied with a twinkling glance but now i will beg of you one more favour carry all these things just as they are to the room of my son mr philip bampfylde at first i was so taken aback that i could only gaze at him and then i began to think and to see the reason of his asking it i have asked you to do a strange thing good david if it is an unpleasant one say so in your blunt sailor's fashion your honour i answered with all the delicacy of my nature upwards say not another word i will do it for truly to speak it if anything had been often a grief and a care to me it was the bitterness of thinking of that squire philip deeply and not knowing anything the general bowed to me with a kindness none could take advantage of and signalled me to collect my burden then he appointed me how to go together with a very old and long-accustomed servitor himself would not come near his son for fear of triumph over him after a long bit of tapping and whispering and the mystery servants always love to make of the simplest orders i was shown with my arms well aching for those wooden dolls were no joke and the captain's hat weighed a stone at least with all the sand in the lining into a dark room softly strewn and hung with ancient damask the light of the evening was shut out and the failure of the candles made it seem a cloudy starlight only in the furthest corner there was light enough to see by and there sat at a very old desk a white-haired man with his hat on if i can say one thing truly while i am striving at every line to tell the downright honesty this truth is that my bones and fibres now grew cold inside of me there was about this man so placed and with the dimness round him such an air of difference from whatever we can reason with and a far withdrawal from the ways of human nature as must send a dismal shudder through a genial soul like mine there he sat and there he spent three parts of his time with his hat on gazing at some old grey tokens of a happy period but so far as could be judged hoping fearing doing thinking even dreaming nothing he would not allow any clock or watch or other record of time in the chamber he would not read or be read to neither write or receive a letter there he sat with one hand on his forehead pushing back the old dusty hat with his 
white hair straggling under it and even below the gaunt shoulder-blades his face set a little on one side without any kind of meaning in it unless it were long weariness and patient waiting god's time of death i was told that once a day whenever the sun was going down over the bar in winter or summer in wet or dry this unfortunate man arose as if he knew the time by instinct without view of heaven and drew the velvet curtain back and flung the shutter open and for a moment stood and gazed with sorrow-worn yet tearless eyes upon the solemn hills and woods and down the gliding of the river following the pensive footfall of another receding day then with a deep sigh he retired from all chance of starlight darkening body mind and soul until another sunset upon the better side of my heart i could feel true pity for a man overwhelmed like this by fortune while my strength of mind was vexed to see him carry on so therefore straight i marched up to him when i began to recover myself having found no better way of getting through perplexity as my footsteps sounded heavily in the gloomy chamber squire philip turned and gazed at first with cold displeasure and then with strong amazement at me i waited for him to begin but he could not whether from surprise or loss of readiness through such long immurement may it please your honour i said the general has sent me hither to clear my captain from the charge of burying your honour's children what what do you mean was all that he could stammer forth while his glassy eyes were roving from my face to the dolls i bore and round the room and then back again exactly as i say your honour these are what the wild man took for your two children in braunton burrows and here is the captain's cocked hat which some one stole to counterfeit him the whole thing was a vile artifice a delusion cheat and mockery i need not repeat how i set this before him but only his mode of receiving it at first he seemed wholly confused and stunned pressing his head with both hands and looking as if he knew not where he was then he began to enter slowly into what i was telling him but without the power to see its bearing or judge how to take it he examined the dolls and patted them and added them to a whole school which he kept with two candles burning before them and then he said they have long been missing i am pleased to recover them then for a long time he sat in silence and in his former attitude quite as if his mind relapsed into its old condition and verily i began to think that the only result of my discovery so far as concerned poor squire philip would be a small addition to his gallery of dolls however after a while he turned round and cried with a piercing gaze at me mariner whoever you are i do not believe one word of your tale the hat is as new and the dolls are as fresh as if they were buried yesterday and i take that to be the truth of it how many years have i been here i know not bring me a looking-glass he pointed to a small mirror which stood among his precious relics being mounted with silver and tortoise-shell this had been as they told me afterwards the favourite toy of his handsome wife when i handed him this he took off his hat 
and shook his white hair back and gazed earnestly but without any sorrow at his mournful image twenty years at least he pronounced it in a clear decided voice twenty years it must have taken to have made me what i am would twenty years in a dripping sand-hill leave a smart gentleman's laced hat and a poor little baby's dolls as fresh and bright as the day they were buried old mariner i am sorry that you should lend yourself to such devices but perhaps you thought it right this although so much perverted made me think of his father's goodness and kind faith in every one and i saw that here was no place now for any sort of argument your honour is altogether wrong i answered very gently the matter could have been at the utmost scarcely more than eight years ago according to what they tell me and if you can suppose that a man of my rank and age and service would lend himself to mean devices there are at least thirty of your retainers and of honest neighbours who have seen the whole thing and can swear to its straightforwardness and your honour of course knows everything a thousand times better than i do but of sand and how it keeps things everlasting so long as dry your honour seems if i may say it to have no experience he did not take the trouble to answer but fell back into his old way of sitting as if there was nothing worth argument people say that every man is like his father in many ways but the first resemblance that i perceived between sir philip and his elder son was that the squire arose and bowed with courtesy as i departed upon the whole this undertaking proved a disappointment to me and it mattered a hundredfold as much that our noble general was not only vexed but angered more than one could hope of him having been treated a little amiss i trusted that sir philip would contribute to my self-respect by also feeling angry still i did not desire more than just enough to support me or at the utmost to overlap me and give me the sense of acting aright by virtue of appeasing him but on the present occasion he showed so large and cloudy a shape of anger wholly withdrawn from my sight as happens with the peak of teneriffe also he so clearly longed to be left alone and meditate that i had no chance to offer him more than three opinions all these were of genuine value at the time of offering and must have continued so to be if the facts had not belied them allowing for this adverse view i will not even state them nevertheless i had the warmest invitation to abide and be welcome to the best that turned upon any of all the four great spits or simmered and lifted the pot-lid suddenly for a puff of fine smell to come out in advance to a man of less patriotic feeling this might thus have commended itself but to my mind there was nothing visible in these hills and valleys and their sloping towards the sea which could make a true welshman doubt the priority of welshland for with us the sun is better and the air moves less increases and the sea has more of rapid gaiety in breaking the others may have higher cliffs or deeper valleys down them also if they like to think so darker woods for robbers nests but our own land has a sweetness and a gentle liking for us and a motherly pleasure in its bosom when we do come home to it such as no other land may claim according to my experience 
these were my sentiments as i climbed upon the ensuing sunday a lofty hill near the ifracombe road commanding a view of the bristol channel and the welsh coast beyond it the day was so clear that i could follow the stretches and curves of my native shore from the lowlands of gower away in the west through the sandy ridges of aberaban and the grey rocks of scar and porthcall as far as the eastern cliffs of dunraven and the fading bends of st donats the sea between us looked so calm and softly touched with shaded lights and gentle variations also in unruffled beauty so fostering and benevolent that the white-sailed coasters seemed to be babies fast asleep on their mother's lap how long is this mere river to keep me from my people at home i cried it looks as if one could jump it almost a child in a cockle-shell could cross it at these words of my own a sudden thought which had never occurred before struck me so that my brain seemed to buzz but presently reason came to my aid and i said no no it is out of the question without even a thread of sail i must not let these clods laugh at me for such a wild idea and the name in the stern of the boat as well downright santa lucia chowne must have drowned those two poor children and then rehearsed this farce of a burial with the captain's hat on to enable his man to swear truly to it tush i am not in my dotage yet i can see the force of everything End of chapter forty nine